Hello, hello everybody. Happy Wednesday. Cheers to you all. Hope you're having a fantastic day. My, uh, my fat cat was trying to take over this happy hour already, um, but I got him out of here. All right. Looks like we have got... Um, Crystal has already joined us, so I'm going to go ahead and add her in and join in through Motorcycle Missions. All right, let's see. All right, while we wait for her, I'm super, super excited for today um, for us to be meeting with Ms. Crystal Hess. Hello. Hello, how are you? I am fantastic. How are you? Really good. I just rushed home through rush hour to get home. So oh, my gosh. Here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Sorry about that. No, it's fine. You are my first guest for 2021. So cheers. cheers. <laughs> and you're my first motorcycle builder oh, guest. Really? Yeah. Awesome. So we, I've been I've been having women on throughout the past almost year, I guess, at this point. Um, we've mm -hmm. been doing tons of women throughout the automotive industry and all sorts of different areas of it, but not motorcycle yet officially. So you're first and a first. Right on. <laughs> I like it. So um, for those of you who are watching who don't know the lovely Miss Crystal has, give us a little brief, brief intro to who you are. Um, so I'm a native Canadian, I guess you could say. I grew up in a, born and raised in Canada, moved to Texas in 2011, lived in Austin uh, since then. I and uh, I'm a nurse. And I kind of accidentally got into motorcycling because of a tragedy that happened in my life. So um, I kind of got catapulted out of necessity into the motorcycle world, didn't have a clue what hit me, didn't know what was coming. And um, now motorcycle missions, motorcycles and my nonprofit motorcycle missions is um, pretty much my life. So it's I love it. a big part of my life and nursing has become less and less and less. But <laughs> the, good, the good thing is, is that with motorcycle missions, it still allows me to do both. And there's a lot of nursing um, involved in, in uh, mental health. And that's yes. uh, what my nonprofit does. And we use motorcycles um, for therapy for veterans. Uh, for PTSD and such, so. So motorcycle missions is a phenomenal thing that you do. I wanna spend some time on it. How, tell us more about it and, and how it kind of came to be. How did this go from idea to fruition? How long do I have? Just, just curious. We've, we've got an hour, so okay. like, lay, it, so lay it on us. <laughs> lay it on you, okay. So, um, so like I said, I, I came from Canada to Texas in 2011, I came um, just for, I got out of an abusive like marriage actually um, up in Canada and I was just ready for a change. I kind of needed to reset and I was really just pining for hot weather and sick of the snow and sick of cleaning my car off and the sh shoveling the sidewalks. So, and I had a dual citizenship uh, sitting in my um, back pocket. So I was like, okay, I'm just gonna pick a city. Uh, it was either going to be here or Phoenix, and I still sometimes long for Phoenix a lot because I, I grew up going down there every spring with my grandmother and my parents, and uh, I don't know, it's just kind of a second home to me. So, but I chose Austin because of a boy. So uh, that's how I wound up in Phoenix. So you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, sometimes our head, our brains fall out of our heads when we get into a relationship, and that happens. Um, uh, yeah, we make decisions that we wouldn't otherwise make for a boy. But anyway, I did. Um, and it turns out, like, 
he was into motorcycles, which was really awesome because in Canada, I was huge into cars, but I had no access to anything remotely, you know, related to cars. Like we, I lived in the land of ice and snow and I uh, subscribed to Lowrider magazine. That was like, you know, and in Canada, that's a big deal because to get a mag magazine subscription up there, it's like cost four times as much. Really? And you don't get them on time and it, you have to like fill out the little like postcard thing and like check what magazine you want. And then you send a check in the mail and then you, <laughs> you just get it when you get it. Right. So, right. so, um, the one magazine my mom let me buy was Lowrider magazine, which is actually okay. hilarious to me now. <laughs> but, um, but I used to love that. And I, I used to go like, there was, there was one car shop that I used to shop at called AutoZeal there in Canada, Calgary. And uh, I had a Ford Probe, like a 2000, or sorry, a 1995, nice. a 1995 uh, Ford Probe with the flip up headlights and like the newer body body style. <laughs> nice. And uh, it was, it had that flip flop paint blue and purple. And um, that was my first car. So, That's like, awesome. That was pretty badass to me. And I drove that in high school and I put like neon lights under it. And I had <laughs> a stolen stereo in it and that was not my fault my friends did that they put us they put a stereo if you're listening mom and dad I'm sorry. Uh -huh. <laughs> but anyways it was like it was like my dream car for a 15 16 year old right so um but like i i had knocked on doors in calgary and wanted a job i offered to sweep the floor at like another car shop it was the only one i could find there wasn't, isn't a lot of, there wasn't at least at the time, a lot of that out there. Plus we didn't, I didn't have Instagram or the internet to figure right. out where all the people were that had this passion that I had. And I used to DJ um, to put my husband through college. And back then we used to DJ at a, at a car racetrack thing. And I asked them, but then they went bankrupt right after I asked. I just couldn't get a break. And I, I just really wanted to be around cars. I wanted to learn. I loved the show over Holland. I was obsessed with it. Um, I watched Jesse Combs. Oh, so like as much as I could. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, salute to our girl, Jessie. Yes, absolutely. And uh, so, so yeah. So like, I remember just my passion and me wanting to be around cars so much gave me this itch. And I remember my sister even saying like, when I lived there still was like, I could totally, could totally see you doing something like this Jessie girl does on this show. And little did I know we'd become friends and, right. and do some work together years down the road. But anyway, um, I was very inspired by her and very inspired by, by just like the automotive industry and what it was doing. Basically what you're doing, it was like what I wanted to do. Like I wanted to do exactly what you're doing. <laughs> like just dreamt of it. Couldn't think of anything else I wanted to do. Moved to Texas, got into a relationship with a guy that was into motorcycles. And I was like, okay, okay. So he builds motorcycles. That's kind of badass get into that i like it was actually on my list of things i wanted to do after getting out of that marriage because honestly when i was living in canada the first 30 years of my life i was a i wasn't i was a very defeated young woman like i didn't have a lot of um aspirations and i didn't i didn't have any confidence i was very self-conscious and very hard on myself and i didn't i don't think i had a lot of really good friendships that i could say um were super meaningful to me, but I, I had, a, I endured a lot of bullying and abuse in my marriage and I just felt alone. Like most of my, my twenties and, you know, I just was like, didn't have anything just to put on the shelf, like no accolades, no trophies for, 
soccer, no instruments I played, no anything. I had nothing. And I was very depressed about it. When I moved here and I got into this relationship with this guy that built motorcycles, um, I was just, I was inspired by what he did. And um, I wanted to learn. I wanted to learn, it was on my list anyway, ride a motorcycle. So um, I made a huge list like of everything that I wanted to do. And I just started grabbing at every opportunity to check off that list. And it terrified the shit out of me. But I was like, if I want to be the same person that I absolutely hate the rest of my life, then, then don't, don't do these things. Just stay in your box and do the least amount possible and stay in your comfort zone. But I started grabbing at every opportunity. Like I started to shoot guns with a women's pistol league. And, you know, I started, um, I started doing, I don't know, I just did a whole bunch of stuff. Like, and it also oh, too, actually. living in the States opens a lot of doors for other things. We just, there's not a lot to do up there where I'm from. So, um, so anyways, the riding motorcycle was on my list already. So I was like, Hey, this guy builds motorcycles. That's really awesome. And I, you know, he built uh, sport bike stuff, like more, more of this, the loud, you know, lights and things like that on sport bikes. And I didn't know the difference. Like now I have a different preference for motorcycles. Right. <laughs> but but back then it was like, I'm just like, this is so cool. I just get to even be around it. And um, so we dated for, you know, a little bit, almost a year. We almost made it a year. Um, and I started investing some money in a motorcycle that we were going to build together. So he was going to teach me. And I was like, you know what? Screw it. I want to do this. I knew the risks. I was like, I'll put my money into it. If, if all else fails, I can sell the bike. It was titled in my name. So I bought a bike. We worked on this project together. And I like, I don't know, three, three quarters of the way into the motorcycle build. Um, he starts getting kind of weird and um, I couldn't piece his behaviors together. They weren't making sense to me. And then he, he started to scare me. And then I was like, what the hell is going on? Like we went from being on fire for months and like, like I thought I was in heaven actually. I thought that was the relationship of my life. And then things just started to get really wonky and weird and it turns out he had bipolar disorder and uh like with me as a witness he tried to take his own life so he tried to involve me in his in his attempt to take his own life he was not successful thankfully but he was messed up enough and scared me enough that i could not go back to that relationship so out of that relationship i got a motorcycle that he when he went to um, kill himself, took the motorcycle apart out of anger to me because I was, I had removed myself from him because he was, his behaviors were scaring me. And that was his way of getting back at me was carrying oh, wow. the motorcycle. So this motorcycle was in the van with him when, when he decided that he didn't want to live anymore and he was going to make me listen and everything. And I was on the phone with him frantically trying to figure out where he was. And like, he told me if I called the cops, he was going to kill himself. If I did this, he was going to kill himself. And so like, I'm frantic, like, all over the city driving, trying to figure out where he is. And it was rush hour traffic. And it was, anyways, um, they found him the next day and they hospitalized him, but he, he wasn't successful, thankfully, but I ended up with this, you know, repos they repossessed my motorcycle and it was just in, in all the, all, every part just taken apart. Wow. Every part we had put together and we had, he had taught me how to powder coat. So we had powder coated the frame, powder coated the, this thing had a turbo on it. It was a Hayabusa, y'all. I don't, <laughs> I, I I say I would say that I would never own another Hayabusa, but I have more to add that to that story. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I, I had this motorcycle; it was mine, and I put a whole—I probably put like twenty some 
20 or 30 grand into this thing. Oh, I'm sure easily. And so I'm just like, oh my God. And I'm not, I'm not a motorcycle builder. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what to do. And I don't know anyone here. I just moved here. So what do I do? Like, thankfully I had it insured and they, because he took it and it wasn't his and he disassembled it, they did um, allow me to claim it as theft. So I was able to recover the money from the bike itself, but they gave me like what the bike was worth stock. Um, and then I was able to convince them that if I could build the bike back together fully, could like with all, and I could show them receipts for all the parts, would they allow me um, to get the money from the sale of the bike, what the, the bike would be worth when it was finished. Oh, wow. and, and it turns out they agreed to that. So um, there was That's a guy, impressive. yeah, there was a guy here in Texas that uh, bought my tire machine off me. Cause you know, every nurse that does never change the tire needs a tire machine, right? Absolutely. So I had a tire machine. So this guy bought my tire machine and he was a complete asshole and he was in my phone as tire machine asshole. That was his name. <laughs> and he called me one day and I was like, what is tire machine asshole calling me for? And I was in Canada visiting my family. And he's like, hey, I'm, I see you have your Hayabusa for sale. And this was when it was a pallet of parts. And uh, so he offered to help me build it. And I said, well, what's in it for me? And he's like, well, he's like, I'll, I'll, we'll build it in the shop and I'll, we'll sell it and I'll split the profit with you. So not only were we able to get the money from the insurance company to rebuild it back to what we had it, but I was also uh, able to sell it. And then the shop yes. owner and I split it. So I didn't get all my money back, but I got a large chunk of it back. So um, and it paved the path for your future. So out of tragedy came amazing, amazingness. Yeah. So, um, so the thing about it, so like after, after that, and like I was working in this shop all summer and it was like hundred and like, I don't know, 20 degrees. It was so hot here. I have never, <laughs> and it's actually, I think the hottest summer they've had on record. It was 2012. Of course. Uh, here in Texas. And so like I was around all these motorcycles and they were selling, they were bringing motorcycles in and selling them and bringing them in and selling them at this shop. And like, I had built a Hayabusa, but I had never ridden a bike yet. Oh, wow. You still didn't ride? No, I still didn't ride. Oh, wow. So, so I just, but I was also like, I was going through a journey. I was trying to focus on the bike and I was really kind of scared of crashing and then not being able to finish it. So I waited until I was ready, went out into the parking lot. The guy gave me keys to a little Suzuki intruder nice and um i just he, he asked me do you know how to ride i'm like yeah and uh <laughs> i took the keys and then went and uh just stood outside in that freaking heat for probably 20 minutes youtubing how to start a motorcycle that's awesome how to like shift <laughs> and how to you know like i watched all the YouTube videos i, think I love that them. yes i totally know how to do that let me go figure it out <laughs> yeah no but that's how i am i'm always i love it and then i'll figure it out so I, uh, I went out to the parking lot, did that, jumped on it, rode it around the block and brought it back, put it on the kickstand. The only nice. thing I did wrong was I left it in gear and it jerked a bit and it scared the shit out of me, but it was funny. <laughs> so, um, so that was the start. And so like I, uh, then I used to just like take the bike, like, you know, every day I would try and go a little further and a little further and, you know, I'd go down to the mailbox and then I'd go, you know, a little bit further to the gate. Right. And then, so I just kind of did that thing. And then, um, in the meantime, the shop owner was like, well, do you want to stick around and build more bikes? And I was like, you have more bikes for me to build? Like you're just a dealership. He goes, no, but we can, you know, if he, he's like, if you like it, well, I'll find you some opportunities to build these Rika bikes. So there's oh, wow. Suzuki Savages that 
have kits like that you can you can do a bobber a chopper um tracker uh cafe racer and so okay. you can modify and make it kind of how you want it and so he agreed to fund me to do five so that's amazing uh, yeah and so um i did one actually going back before i did the, the rikas there was a customer that he had there was a veteran that had a, a yamaha 550xj that he wanted um a cafe built out of so that was my first bike that i actually did after the busa and and i worked with the mechanic that was working at that shop on that project and um i powder coated i got the the frame powder coated and it cost me 800 bucks like the frame and everything else was 800 bucks to get powder coated and i was like paul showed me how to powder coat yeah so i was like i have some of the equipment still and i was like what what don't i have and so I figured out what I don't have, what I would need to get to do it myself. And so I bought myself an oven, bought myself a sandblaster. Nice. I used the shop's um, compressor and uh, ended up actually getting a storage unit down the street and started a motor, like a powder coating business out of there. Just <laughs> That's like awesome. powder coating the neighbor's stuff and powder coating that guy's love, love nice. that topics, whatever. And, and then, um, so with each Rika that I started to build after that, because I was like, why? Well, I, I did a different color scheme on each one. So I was able to do, I did a hot pink bike called Spinderella and she's just hot pink, hot pink wheels. And she has black and white, like kind of Polaroid pictures of women in history riding motorcycles. Oh, cool. She's a cafe racer. And then I did a Lucky Strike themed bike as a homage to Kevin Schwantz, the uh, MotoGP uh, champion from 1993, I think. Um, I did like a, a zombie killer and a rusty bobber and I can't remember the other one. Oh, and a Hot Wheels bike tracker. Nice. Kind of fun. So like the Hot Wheels tracker obviously was all blue and I did some accents in red and like I just, I had, like I learned how to power coat and I was actually really good at it. So um, when I started to ride and I ended up going to bike nights, I was handing out cards and people were all of a sudden hiring me to power coat their wheels and then their frames and then I was powder coating Ferrari wheels for Ferrari. And oh wow! And then, so like I just became the motorcycle powder coater in Austin. Everybody knew who I was. Everybody knew I was good at what I did. I was reasonably priced or competitive, I guess you could say. So um, so I started a powder coating business, and it was called Ricochet Customs. So um, I got out of that one shop, opened my own shop, was open like 21 days, and then it rained really hard here in Austin. And I guess uh, I didn't know this, but I was on a floodplain. So uh, I got five and a half feet of water in my shop. So oh, all, wow. the, all the Rika bikes that I had just built um, and all my, and I had just ordered a whole bunch of brand new state-of-the-art uh, powder coating equipment. Of course. Uh-oh, did she freeze? I think you froze, Crystal. Uh-oh, I don't know if you guys can still hear me. Oh, you're back, you're back. Okay, which part did you lose me at? Um, like right then you just bought a whole bunch of new powder coating stuff and equipment and it was all in the flood. Yeah, it was all in the flood. So yeah, it was Halloween night, 2013. Oh wow. And, uh, it just started to rain really hard. And then I got a call the next morning that our street was flooded where the shop was. And I was like, whatever. Well, I went down there and the cops had it totally closed off. And oh, wow. I guess a lady had died on our property. Oh geez. Got trapped in her car. So that was... Like it was just in our, like when I got there and I was actually able to access the property, like the dumpster outside of my shop was gone. I don't wow. even know where it went. 
the, there were cars on top of cars. There was, it was just a mess. So oh, crazy. I didn't have flood insurance, not because I didn't purchase flood insurance, but because it doesn't actually become valid for like 90 days after you get the policy because of FEMA and their law about like flood insurance, you have to get it 90 days out and you go through a pro probationary, what do you call it? Probationary uh, period or yeah, whatever. I know what you mean. Um, yeah. So I wasn't eligible for the flood insurance. Oh my God. Um, so, so that was a bummer. So I had all my equipment <laughs> totally I love up. how you take it in the stride. You're like, as oh, a bummer. <laughs> well, but you know, like at the time I was like, well, shit, of course this would happen to me. And I was like, I can, I can either let this like put me down like the last shit, like I, I've come this far and I really, really wanted to do what I was doing. So I was like, I'm not going to let this phase me. So I had a team of people from like my motorcycle bike night, you know, come out and we all got pressure washers and disinfectant and everybody cleaned like my entire shop out. And, um, and then the week later we had plans to move my shit out because I was like, I'm not staying in a floodplain. This is right. obviously <laughs> going to happen again. Yeah. So, um, I don't know where, where <laughs> I was going with that, but anyways, the, a week later, um, we had planned to move everything out and we got there. Everybody was ready to work. Everybody had trucks my shop had been robbed. Oh, geez. It had been looted. So at first I was like, mother effer. And then I was like, wait a sec, I have theft insurance. <laughs> so, so, okay. So now they couldn't steal my powder coating oven, which was the thing I wanted them to steal. Cause that was the one thing that right. messed with the most. Um, but anyway, that I didn't get out of the insurance, but I, they, whatever they stole, I got, I also got insurance. So like, I'm a firm believer in insurance. If, like I will never not have, cause it's, it has saved my ass. Yeah. Amen twice. to that. Like, and that was, yeah, just like that. So yep. anyway, um, there's a, there was a place in Northern Austin in Round Rock actually called um, Tech Shop. And they were like a big, like, I don't know what, like a do it yourself or kind of shop, but they would have, um, you would go in and they have a machine shop. They have a, um, a fabric like sewing room. They have oh, a cool. computer microchip making room. They have like woodworking. Oh, that's amazing. They had a welding place and a metal shaping place. And then they had a powder coating room. Hmm. So you could get a membership there and you could powder coat out of their, out of, and use their stuff. What a cool so concept. I learned real quick that I don't like their equipment. So I asked if they'd be okay if I brought my own and they let me keep it there. And they did. I just had to pay a little bit of rent. And um, like I powder co coated all, everything I needed to powder coat out of there for a couple of years. And then, uh, then they unfortunately closed down. Um, they went bankrupt, but the timing couldn't have been more perfect because I actually found out that the powder coating powder was causing an inflammatory issue in my throat. So like I was like, I would be eating rice or something. And then my, like, I couldn't swallow it. It would like stay here. And, and it's because I had scar tissue built up because my, my esophagus was reacting to the powder. Oh, wow. And you know, I wear respirators and stuff, but I still was getting like, you still get that shit in like, and it gets everywhere. Like I yeah. go home with like powder in my nose and um, yeah. wow, crazy. Um, so so my throat was so at the time I had to make kind of like a tough decision medically. Oh, you're kidding. <laughs> yeah. He um, likes to, to total photo bomb. <laughs> uh, I just actually had to put my kitty down. Oh no. 
I know otherwise he would be here with me probably on my lap. I'm so sorry. That's the worst. Thank you. But I love your, I love your kitty. It's cute. Thanks. I love Um, that man. (laughs) So, so when that diagnosis came and I was like, well, okay, I mean, I could still do it, but I don't have a place to do it now and I don't have the money for a shop. And I was kind of already wanting to use what, because motorcycle, motorcycles have really, really changed my life. Like they, motorcycle got me through all that bullshit and it really empowered me and made me confident gave me confidence it connected me with more people than i can think like that are now lifelong friends and um supporters and and everything so like you know connected me with jesse connected me with sophie uh, singos connected me with you um so they've just been such an amazing part of my life and so and i'm a nurse and uh, I've always wanted to do a ministry of some sort where I, where I'd be reaching out to other people, whether it be nursing in third world countries. That was what I wanted to do. Actually, oh, wow. I planned to go and be a nurse in a third world country oh, wow. before the motorcycle thing. So what, um, my friend, uh, because I, I used to host a bike night here and we used to have sometimes 60 to hundred bikes a night, depending on, you know, how the weather was. But, um, uh, my one of my veteran friends needed a bunch of motorcycle people to come to a, a movie premiere that he and his buddies had done called Project 22, and it was a group of veterans, and the movie was um, about one of the veterans' um, failed attempt at suicide. And I had been close to suicide, and I knew what that felt like. And um, they had done this documentary on the therapeutic effects of motorcycling, but also other things like sailing, um, hyperbaric chambers, um, wood carving, like whatever veterans find therapeutic to help them release their stress and help them overcome the challenges that they have after they've come home from serving their country. And um, so they had a motorcycle component to that where they rode across the country and did the documentary on motorcycles and visited all these different specialists and different people that do different therapeutic things for veterans. And um, yeah, so like I came out of that movie and I, I, on my way home on my bike, thought of motorcycle missions and I want to use what I've learned to help others. And it's, I was just called to do, to work with veterans because I also have a lot, being in Texas, there's a huge, there's so many veterans here. Yeah. Um, we, have, we have bases everywhere, like around me. So, um, so I really wanted to, to work with veterans and I just thought, you know what, and like motorcycle missions came, you know, was one of the, the top things that I thought of on the way home that night. And uh, I went home and got the domain, I think that evening. That's awesome. I thought of some other names too. Like I sat on it for a bit and was trying to think of other names. And then that one was the one that stuck. And then um, originally it was, I wanted to do a motorcycle build with veterans, but I also wanted to do a video documentary, like documentaries of little mini ones about motorcycles and how they've impacted different people's lives. So if you yeah. go onto Motorcycle Missions YouTube, there's some of those videos on there. Um, we went, my, my photographer and I drove from Texas to LA and like along the way we interviewed different people, different veterans and different just people in general and not all veterans, but uh, lifelong motorcycle riders about why they ride. Like, why do you put, how, how does your Goldwing have 500,000 miles on it? Right. Like, tell us about that. And like, yeah. 
you know, and, and land speed racers that get a kick out of land speed racing and why is that important to you and what does motorcycles, what do these motorcycles do for you? Yeah. In that, in that aspect. So, and then we got to LA and we got to meet, I got to meet the two veterans that were in the documentary awesome. and that was very special for me. And, you know, we spent the afternoon together and, um, you know, it just, I was just so inspired by it. But when we got home that, so that we had planned to do a motocross camp. So we actually, um, that year, that same year that we did drove across the country, we started our first motocross camp. So we did that, I think in October, 2015 or I don't know if it's two my years are blurry I know. now I don't know if it's 2015 or 2016 but we started our first it motocross. all blends together <laughs> yeah and then um and then we started our first motorcycle build in 2017. So, I didn't realize it was that recent that you did your first build that's amazing yeah no so we did our first build in, in like we started in January because it was supposed to be due in June for we built it for the Republic of Texas bike rally and they always um, have a bike builder build a bike and then they raffle it off on stage to a, like an unsuspecting veteran in the stage. So when you come through these turnstiles, they give every veteran a raffle ticket. Oh, wow. So somebody won, our, won our, that bike that we built. But the cool thing was is that it was a group of veterans that built it. It wasn't like a, like a fancy sh shop down the street. Right. Um, so it just was a little bit more meaningful. Um, so that was our very first build. And then um, our second build, we decided to like do a ground up build where another veteran donated the, the base bike. And so I it sat in my garage leaking all over the place for a long time. And I was like, I was ready to just sell it and just keep the money and move on. But I'm glad I didn't. Um, we just took the motor out because the rest of the bike was pretty trashy. Um, the frame was not like it looked like it had been welded together 10 times by some amateur. So we weren't going to obviously rebuild a bike with that. So we decided on our second bike build to build the frame. And I, I have a friend here in Austin. Well, he's not here anymore. He's now on a boat in Florida okay. um, that helped me with my Girl Scout, which is one of the, the bike and one of the pictures that I have on there. But he helped me with the fabricating on that. And I spent some time in his shop learning from him. And um, so when Motorcycle Missions was ready to build this custom build, I asked Dave, like, what do you think? What could, give me some ideas what we could do with this bike. And he just had a plan, drew it out. And I was like, that's it. So we built a, a tracker, or sorry, like a, a flat tracker. Okay. Board tracker, rather. Sorry. A board tracker, for, like, basically to look like a 19, like, early 1900s replica of, of oh, cool. you know, a Harley. And... Um, so we just built the entire bike around the motor. We restored the motor, ceramic coated it. Uh, that was another thing that I taught myself to do was ceramic coating. So um, was able to teach them how to ceramic coat and stuff. But we put the bike, uh, put the bike together, did a bike reveal, and then we took it to the International Motorcycle Show. It won. So the motor International Motorcycle Show has different competitions all throughout um, the country. And so if you advance in one city, then you get to go to finals in Chicago, which is what happened to us. So we actually won in Dallas. We got, we advanced to Chicago when we actually won a national championship. So we were nice. the top five the entire year for each city. That's so, amazing. Now the so veterans who are involved, are they, I mean, they're not necessarily motorcycle builders or have experience, right? So, no, so they need no experience, no motorcycle they don't need to ride or they don't need to weld or anything they're there just to have fun and learn and a big part of it is the camaraderie and then they end up lifelong friends after they leave so amazing um yeah so we built 
so that was the second bike. The third bike we built for, um, we we took a, a veteran's existing bike and we just made it cooler looking. And he has prosthetics. And um, so that was like a full build because they we disassembled pretty much everything. Did the whole motor, powder coated everything and I put it all back together. Uh, new paint job and just new fairings and new lights and seats and everything like that. So that might have might as well have been a full custom build. Um, our fourth build was a Triumph, um, the bottom or sorry, a Triumph Scrambler that we turned into. We built a sidecar on Ooh. the side of it, and then we also like put a Ural front end on it. And if you don't know what a Ural is, it's like a, um, it's another factory made sidecar bike i can't remember where it's from i don't know i rode a sidecar bike for the first time last year and it was mm -hmm. terrifying it's awful it can, be, it can be if you're not with somebody who knows how to drive them but also to like yeah oh i was the one i was the one driving it and i had oh, never no so no, i'd never you, done it before and it was so scary and i had to do it for for all girls garage and faye was in the sidecar and i'm like i'm sorry i don't know what i'm doing <laughs> Yeah, actually, um, you actually need some special, most, I always recommend anybody who's driving a sidecar get special training because it does require different skills. Totally just, different. It's not like riding a normal bike and it's not like riding a car. You have to know kind of what you're doing. So yeah, no, it was um, terrifying. <laughs> yes. But that one, um, that one we sold to um, a woman in Hawaii and cool. she she um, wanted it for her dog, Earl, who's a basset hound. Aww. <laughs> so that they could ride on the beach. How cute. Um, yes. So that bike also won at the International Motorcycle Show. And it won, it won at the Easy Rider Show as well. That's incredible. Uh, yeah. And then we built a Ducati Scrambler um, that turned into a cafe racer with a full body fairing on it. And that was really cool had carbon fiber wheels. Uh, that one wanted IMS as well. It was also on the cover of Cafe Racer magazine. Very nice. Um, our sixth and seventh bike, we did a bike build off. Indian Motorcycles donated us two Indian Chief Dark Horses and we did a build off between Dallas and Austin. So we had two build teams of veterans and then they squared off for the best bike. And then Indian did a thing where people could vote for their favorite and then the winners took the accolades so that's pretty cool yeah how many builds have you done now in total okay so we with are motorcycle wrapped, missions we are wrapping up number 12 we would have had 12 wrapped up in may but because um in that one we were doing for arizona bike week and arizona bike week got canceled so we didn't finish it and then everything got messed up so yeah. we are about to finish it it's almost done and then we are starting our 13th in colorado um, we also have done an all-female bike build, our first, um, all-female veterans, and that, that was awesome. set to place at the Dofo Winery in uh, Temecula. Okay. So um, they built a little cafe racer, a Honda uh, 350, and that was donated by a friend of mine here in Austin who did one of the documentaries. She talks about how um, a motorcycle saved her life and got her sober. Um, because she lost a friend off the back of a bike and they were all drunk. And so she somehow managed to get back on a bike, but she turned it into something positive and, it, and she stopped drinking. So, and that was her motivation to stay sober. So she's amazing. Still 
Yeah, so she donated the spike to us. We, we built it. It won a bunch of awards. It actually won at Moto Ladies um, um, All Women's Bike Show last year. Nice. Uh, that was about now last year, too. Yeah. Um, and we've also built a land speed bike. And guess what kind of bike it is? It's a Suzuki Hayabusa. Funny. So, <laughs> so you'd never have a Hayabusa again. Here we go. I know. But the, the scenario with the Hayabusa was the, um, there was a family who had lost their son to suicide. And that was his bike. And he used to race it at the Texas Mile. And they wanted, they, they offered us to have it. And they said, we want you to take this and do your thing and race it at the Texas Mile. So that's what we did. We built a full body fairing Hayabusa. Um, we've got it up pretty fast. And I don't want to say, I want to say 203, <laughs> 203 miles an hour. So we just had our first run last October. And that was the shakedown run. And then we had clutch issues and then we got canceled twice because of COVID. And so like our next race is in March. So we're going to try and, um, we're going to try exciting. and beat that 203. But um, yeah, and then we built a Road King with a sidecar. The bike in Arizona that we're doing is also a Road King, but it looks like a cafe racer style Road King. Nice. And then the one that we're doing in Colorado is going to be a chopper. Very cool. So I love how chill you are about all of this. Like this. Yeah. 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 Like everybody who's watching, like, first of all, freaking legend right here. Like <laughs> the, the bikes that you've built, the awards that you've won being self-taught, the impact that you're having on people around you and, and all of this coming out of so much tragedy and so many obstacles and so many barriers and like none of it stopped you. And you took all of that and turned it into something that's been so hugely successful and so hugely impactful. Like, do you, do you have any clue how absolutely like incredible all of that is? <laughs> um, I do, but at the same time, like I, I'm very shy about it. Like I, if you ask the people who are closest to me, like I'm, I don't like, gloating or being boastful about stuff like i i do acknowledge that that there's been some there are that this is awesome and i think it's awesome um there's also some humility here though because of what i have gone through and i don't take it for granted and it could be gone in a second so um i just hope that we can continue to keep doing what we're doing especially like with this COVID. and you know what with all this social media shit now i'm just like I already struggled to post on Instagram. Like I hate it. I hate Instagram. I hate Facebook. Like, like, and so I already don't post enough. And yeah. now, now we're going to be having issues with like, now like half the audience is saying screw you and they're leaving. So right. I'm like, how do I know to get a hold? Of, how do I get a hold of you now? This was the only, you know, or how do I notify people of fundraisers we're doing? Yeah. I have such a love-hate so, relationship with social media. There's so much good about it, and yet so much that's awful about it. And um, so yeah. it's it's like I don't know. I just I really am hoping that that this isn't gonna just kill it, you know. But um, we we do a lot of welding classes, so we've um, and this is more local. Like we've done some metal shaping in California with the girls. We did uh, with Teresa Contreras. We did. Love her. Um, 
the girls got to go to Teresa's shop and learn how to body fill and like awesome. prep the motorcycle for paint. And then, you know, they got to be, they got to be a part of that. Very cool. Um, and then they also got to, I don't know if you know who Jake the Flying Dutchman is, but he got to teach them a little bit of metal shaping. Nice. Um, and so we try and integrate welding with all of our classes as well. Yeah. But we do also have a welding class. So we do welding, like we have a welding class this Saturday. We have uh, nine veterans that are going to be attending that. So they get free training for six hours. And then um, the cool thing is, is after they've either taken a welding class with us or a motocross camp with us, which we try and do once a month, um, or they've done a motorcycle build, they become alumni. And then they're welcome to come back to any future events or classes that we have as mentors. Or, um, you know, they can just be there to support one another and, and keep that camaraderie going. But I try and keep them in, involved as much as possible so that they don't just go away. It's not like we're done a bike build, see you later. It's like, right. no, we're part of the motorcycle missions family now. And we have, you know, we try and do get togethers and we, you know, we go to bike weeks. Like we've been to, I took a group to Daytona. We did Daytona bike week as a group. We've done Sturgis a few times. Um, do you guys, do you have a physical shop like a, or do you, you travel know, around for the bills? I, I don't have a physical shop just because the overhead is um, insane, but we, we use other people's shops. So um, like here would be an example. If uh, I was like, Hey, Bogey, do you want to do an all female bike build at your shop sometime for a bunch of female vets? And you'd be like, <laughs> maybe <laughs> talk about that. That's how that usually starts. And then, <laughs> or, or I get people calling me saying, hey, I, I'm interested in doing a bike build. And I, I say, well, what kind of qualifications do you have and what's your shop like? And yeah. can you actually see it through? Um, because the bike builds that we do are not um, easy. They're actually quite complicated. And I've actually learned quite a bit about what I should and shouldn't do on a bike build because sometimes <laughs> um, I create more work for everybody and it's like, ah, you know. I, I know that feeling. Yep. Yeah. So, <laughs> so we've had like that, that, um, I mean, some of our bikes have just been super intensive, like yep. as far as work and fabricating and stuff. So, um, but yeah, so I bet, I bet whoever is wanting to mentor the build or mentor a welding class, whatever, and make sure they're qualified, um, and see if it's a good fit. And like our next bike build is going to be at Roy's Toys Customs in Colorado. And Roy has built a number of bikes that um, have been in magazines and has competed on the floor with us. And uh, we're friends, we're friends, um, friends with his daughter, Nikki, and oh, cool. they build bikes together. So they're kind of more like family. Um, so they're going to be hosting a bike out of their, their shop, which is basically their, I think their home really. Um, we've done, we've built a couple bikes out of Harley Davidson dealerships um so it just really all depends on our partners who's sponsoring it how much money we have if we don't have any money or we don't have a sponsor we don't do we don't do the bike basically i was so. i was gonna ask that how how yeah. you're how you're funded and if anybody's watching i i did put a little link to a fundraiser for you guys down oh, at the awesome. bottom so if anybody who's watching and is is really a fan of what she's doing with motorcycle missions i encourage you to do that but if people are wanting to support you um, how can they, how can they do that? What's the best way to, to either support what you're doing or to get involved with what you're doing? So, uh, our website is probably the best way to do all of those things. There's a, a giant donate button. It's red. You can click it and you can donate there. You can donate through Facebook, of course. Um, I think now Instagram you can too. I don't know. 
Um, I don't know if I've set that up yet. I'll have to look. <laughs> I think I've applied for it, but there's like a whole bunch of million steps. And I'm well, it let me set motorcycle missions up as a charity when I went to, okay, to set well, a fundraiser on this live. So, um, so yeah. So maybe and, uh, and up some, somebody just said that Canadians can't donate, but you'll go on the site afterwards. So Sophie, <laughs> um, that's awesome. Nice. So uh, you're, you're 100% sponsor driven. And then the, the bills yeah, like we, we are free to, to participate in. We fundraise for everything. Like we like, and everyone who works for me, including myself, don't get a salary. Like I don't get paid. It's all volunteer. Um, I would love the day that I don't spend forty hours a week for free. That'd be yeah. nice one day. And I can relate nice to that. Our, it would be nice to have our own shop, but right now we're doing okay. Um, but yes, the the there's huge overhead with motorcycles and builds and welding and all of the. the the, um, you know, the materials that we have to use and um, the travel also trap, there's a lot of travel involved and, and insurance and liability and everything. Else. Oh, yeah. So for the, so, the veterans, they are participating for free, correct? They're all for, yeah, they don't pay anything. And then are you doing like a, a core group per build or is it kind of an open rotating? So we have, so like, for each build, I'll, I will go through all the applicants I have that have applied to do a motorcycle build with us. And I'll say, hey, congratulations, you've been selected for this bike build. Um, and I tell them about it. And it would be like, if you're interested, please let me know. And then we get guys that'll say, oh, dang it, I'm going back to school. I can't. Or guys that say, oh, shit, I just moved away. I can't, you know, we'll have to get you if you're ever doing a build here. Or yeah. they're like, hell yeah, I'm, I'm in. You know, and then the guys that are in, they'll stay from start to finish. Nice. We usually select eight to ten of them, vets and first responders, um, to participate. So, so you're, I mean, you're doing a like similar stuff. We're with all female builds um, at Girl Gang. It's kind of an, a constantly rotating crowd. So I, it, it's kind of a cool thing with a smaller scale bike build. Not that your builds are small scale, but the vehicle itself is smaller. Um, and you're doing it in a shorter time frame. You're you're doing it with a core group. But I'm sure you still deal with the. The same thing you're teaching and leading and organizing and planning and and kind of doing all of the things at the same time how how do you balance that what have been your your takeaways from doing all of that oh my gosh how <laughs> do i balance that i don't, I don't <laughs> okay know. so i'm not the I, only one good <laughs> so two, 2019 was like the craziest year like when i look back at that i'm like holy smoke i don't know how i don't know how i did it because we did, we did six motorcycle builds last year. Or sorry, 2019. Okay. Feels like last year. Right, so I know, totally. 2020, 2020 just didn't happen. We did six, and we did them all across the country. We did Arizona, Colorado, California, Cleveland, and two in Texas. All while still being a nurse actively, right? Like, you're still working yes. as a nurse, right? Yes, yes. So <laughs> when, when COVID hit, the bike build stopped, and then I just started... COVID nursing, um, going back to the nursing thing. And I'm also a full-time student, so that's awesome. Oh, geez. I've been, I've been that forever. Yeah, lifelong learner over here, so. Um, what are you yeah, in school no. for now? Anything oh, you can share? Advancing, just advancing my nursing so I get to get oh, okay. to do better nursing stuff for more money. <laughs> Always a good thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, still really love, I still really love nursing. Um, I would, you know, if 
motorcycle missions was could be my number one thing that would be great but it's i mean it, that's gonna ebb and flow with whatever's going on in society and we all know how that is right now so yeah absolutely. um yeah there's no security in that for me as a as a human being which is something i've learned very carefully like you can't just give it all away you have to actually take care of yourself or you can't take care of others if you don't so so that's where i'm at with that but um I don't, I, I balance it just by trying to sleep as much as I can. And um, <laughs> I find that what really keeps me going is motorcycle missions is a lot of fun. And so it feels like play a lot of times. Like, um, so like when, when we're actually like out of build, I'm working, but I'm actually having fun. I'm like, I get more enjoyment out of the, the guys having fun. Yeah. And um, just kind of being the, the, the network queen i guess between them and helping them um just hoping that they their lives change through what we have to offer so that's basically it so that that just keeps me going and i just get by with what i can as far as picking up shifts with nursing to pay my bills and um supplement kind of what i don't make by spending all my time on motorcycle missions but but I may, I've been doing okay. So I'm still here. I'm still alive and I'm not totally broke. So I must be doing something right. Well, cheers to that. And you're, you're doing amazingly and doing wonderful things. And I know, <laughs> I know COVID slowed everything down for everybody. And especially these like group, group build type things yeah. are, are challenging with COVID, but I'm glad to see that you're getting, getting them back underway. Thank and you. we're definitely going to have to talk more about um, some potential collaboration at some point. Okay. <laughs> I love the idea of it. Do you have any like amazing success stories that you, that you care to share from people who were involved in the builds? Like the, the cause is so important. And I think what you're oh, doing is so important. I wish, I wish I could go over to my binder over there and dig out. Cause I, I take reviews from my vets, but the, um, the I've had guys go off their antidepressants, off their anxiety meds. I've had guys get back together with their wives. I've had guys leave the house who never left the house before. Um, I mean, I've had guys that say that that this has kept them from killing themselves because it's given them a purpose and has connected them with people so that they, they aren't so isolated. Um, I mean, I have I have so many success stories. And unfortunately, only in the last two years, I've started to like get them to write them down. So I'm collecting a binder of everybody's experiences. Um, but a lot of guys like I've had one that just went through the motocross camp that just said like, every veteran needs to do this. It was such a stress relief. I actually slept and I don't usually sleep. Um, they can't wait to come back. They can't wait to do it again. You know, and what's really cool what I love the most is when they start hanging out outside of motorcycle missions, like they do father, like father, daughter, daddy dates, you know, <laughs> it's so cute. Yeah. I'm like, this is awesome, you know, but um, just to see so many people, so many guys have a, a change in perspective, but also like a shift in, in focus of like what's important yeah. to them and giving them things to do. And also we've had, a few guys, uh, you're familiar with Austin Speed Shop, right? Where yes, Jesse not, was. I mean, I don't know them personally, but yes. Well, so Jess, Jesse James used to own Austin Speed Shop. Like he, I think he started it, um, but it's, it's, he sold it, but it, 
it's here in Austin still, and they build a lot of hot rods and stuff. Um, I think he had a TV show around it, didn't he? Uh, I don't know. I shame, very ashamed to say I don't watch a lot of TV. So okay. I don't know. <laughs> well, so one of one of my vets that went through our program and did the welding now works at Austin Speed Shop. We yes. have a few guys that that have enrolled in the welding classes at Austin Community College because they enjoy nice. welding with us, and it gave them enough the like yeah. that it gave them a direction and, and and helped them realize what they wanted to do with their lives, and has given them a purpose, I guess. And, and That's phenomenal. You know. Um, so we've had that. Um, I have a guy who works for Rick Fairless. If you don't know Rick Fairless, he's like one of the, the godfathers of motorcycling. He's famous. Um, one of my vets now works for him. Nice. Um, after going through our program, I think he's watching Josh. Um, so, I mean, there's just, there's, there's a, there are a bunch of stories. I wish I could share them all. I wish I could remember them all. <laughs> and I have like folders over there with, people's notes in it just about um, what kind of a difference it's made in their life and even in the lives of their spouses and their family because they're much happier more pleasant people to live with yeah. it's so. the it's the trickle effect and um or the ripple effect i should say right and it's um yeah. and there's sadly not a ton of services for for vets coming coming home and and dealing well, with ptsd there are, and other but they are all kind of convoluted like they I just think there's so there are so many that but there's there's no there's nothing that they gravitate towards or that they they could really call their own it's just kind of like i don't know there's there, there's different things and to each their own there's different things but um we like i mean how many guys could say they uh get to build a custom motorcycle and win a national championship for right. and they didn't, they didn't have to spend a dime other than no driving i think you're stuff. filling a phenomenal need there's definitely a need for what you're doing and i think yeah. it's and the welding classes too, and the motocross. And I mean, the, what the cool thing oh, about the motocross is, like, when they come home from from their service, they had this. They had in their service to our country an a, a adrenaline. Like they were constantly hyper vigilant, and they had this yeah. adrenaline going at all times. And then they come home, and they they're moved away from the guys. They're no longer with the guys they served with. They're right. trying to help have their family understand where they're coming from, and their families don't. And they don't have that adrenaline outlet right like where they can just go in and take all that shit that's like eating them up inside and they just start going crazy yeah. um and that's a lot of times what unfortunately causes a lot of our guys to commit suicide is they just can't cope with themselves anymore and you know they don't have that that way of letting it out or figuring it out and so but oftentimes you get on a motorcycle and it requires so much focus and attention and you're trying not to kill yourself and trying not to break your femur and you're also flying in the air and you're having fun and you're doing like this rad thing and the sounds and the smells. <laughs> and the, like it's really, I've never seen a guy get off a motocross bike and say, this sucks. And like, <laughs> never. I have always, always, always seen them super excited and like just pining to come back and they want to do it again. They want to do it again and they want to tell their friends about it. So, um, it's, you know, and a lot of them get better sleep because they just get so worn out because there's like, they, it's hard work. Motocross yeah. is actually a really amazing workout. And so when they're done for the day, they're done for the day, they go home and they sleep. And they can actually sleep. Are like, Dude hasn't slept in, I don't know how long, right? So right. Um, there's a lot of benefits to all of it, depending on the course that they take with us. It's different, but the, the number one um, 
common denominator in all of it is the camaraderie that they enjoy the most. They enjoy getting together with like-minded vets and people that share the same interests, share the same struggles, share the same passion, share the same whatever. And they're able to open up. And a lot of times, a lot of the guys say that they don't, like in most social settings, you're, you, it's not cool to talk about stuff. Um, but they, they do open up quite a lot open openly, just naturally. Yeah. Stuff, because we're just like, it's not coerced. It's not right. It's just it's a not, comfortable environment it's where they just can. A it's safe. And you, start, you start hearing the stories pop up just on their own. And, and then, you know, the friendships blossoming and then the sharing of stories. And so it's really awesome. It's, it's yeah. been quite a, a joy of mine to see it come to where it's at. I'm hoping we can keep it going forever, but we'll see. Um, it's, uh, it's awesome. Keep, keep doing what you're doing. It's wonderful work. We only have four minutes left. So we've got we to gotta wrap this up before Instagram kicks us off. But um, okay. I think what you're doing is absolutely phenomenal. Um, I'll plant a seed that uh, if you haven't heard of them already, American Warrior Garage, um, they're in Ohio, Georgia. They're over there somewhere on the East. I forget where exactly. I did some work with them um, um, with Garage Rehab and they do with cars what you're doing with motorcycles, not to the same, same nice. level of what you're doing, but that might be a cool collaboration oh. at some point in the future too. Okay. They're doing uh, vets and, and car builds, but um, I love what you're doing. I love your story. I love how much you've overcome and how you've not let anything stop you. And I know that that's probably not always easy, but I'm grateful that you kept going. And I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who are super grateful as well. And I'm super grateful that you decided to join me for my happy hour and share your story with everybody who was watching. Well, thank you. I'm super stoked that you invited me. And Absolutely. could do this, finally. Absolutely. Oh. <laughs> agreed agreed you yeah. are a phenomenal woman cheers to you we raised about 90 bucks for you today so <laughs> hey, did you really? yeah we had five awesome donations so thank you guys who donated and everybody make sure you go and check out motorcycle missions and crystal Hess. both of the links will be in this instagram live or igtv it'll be up on my igtv forevers and ever so you can watch it um but check her out give her some love show her some support and I appreciate you guys all joining in and we'll meet with another phenomenal woman next week. But for now, have a great rest of your week. We'll talk more soon. Thank you guys. Bye. Thank you.